Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's make the case for and against players in the first round this season. Up next on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Welcome into FBT in 5. Today is Wednesday, January 4th. I am Frank Sample, joined by The Welsh. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. The top four picks right now, according to early NFBC ADP, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna, and Julio Rodriguez. Welsh, you must make the case for one of those players. Well, I think there's a lot of cases to be made that many of those players sit in that space in a, a very comfortable spot that you're going to feel great about having one of those picks. But boy... When I look at a guy that stole 29 bases in 120 games that has crazy 150 pace numbers on his career and was just taken down by injury, I got to make the case for Ronald Acuna. 98th percentile max EV last year, 92nd percentile hard hit, 95th percentile ex-WOBA, even had an 85 percentile uh, XBA, stole the seventh most bases in baseball, and he played less then 120 games. The injury obviously zapped a little bit of power. That power is going to come back up. I think steamer projections and most projection systems are going to push that. And it's at a position that is not fun. And I've been very open that I don't want to mess with in later rounds that yes, shortstop, yes, third base for the top two guys makes a ton of sense, but I'll make the case for Ronald Acuna Jr. Jumping right back in this year, getting my outfielder and getting all them stats. I am going to make the case against Julio Rodriguez. And this is not really a position that I want to be in, but he is a second-year player. He doesn't have the track record that some of these other hitters do. Uh, and there's just a few things that happened last year. Only four steals in the second half. Is he going to run as much heading into 2023? Uh, hit the ball on the ground a little bit more than I'd like to see. And the sophomore slump thing, do I actually think he's going to slump? No. But can he regress a little bit because pitchers are doing differently against Julio Rodriguez? I think that's a possibility. Again, his upside is sky high. He could be a 40-40 hitter. He could be the top player in fantasy baseball. But I think the floor is a little bit lower than some of the other players going in this range. So that is the case against Julio Rodriguez. Picks five through eight in the first round. We see Aaron Judge, finally, Kyle Tucker, Bobby Witt Jr., and Shohei Otani. Welsh, you are making the case once again for one of those guys. Well, I'm going to make the case for Shohei Otani, and I'll preface it that if you play in a league that is daily moves and you have an Otani that does not have to be two separate beings, then this is a case for him being the number one overall player because that's what he is. He's the number one overall player. But if you do play in a world where it's weekly and he's most likely going to play more as a hitter or you have to play in one of those places that refuse to make him uh, one player and have to keep him two and you got to drop the hitter, the hitter still works. 34 homers, 11 stolen bases, 90-90 as a hitter, hit 275 this past year. He lowered his K rate to under 25%, 97th percentile average EV, 98th percentile barrel rate. The only really negative case against him as a hitter is he's a util. He's a phenomenal elite player. And when you consider that he is two in those formats, I don't really have to make the case for him in this tier. I can make it a case for him number one overall. Shohei Otani still a pretty good bet. 
Bobby Witt Jr. is an awesome young player. I think he's going to continue to get better, but I will make the case against him going seventh overall. I think in some non-industry leagues, not yeah, outside of the NFBC, he's probably a borderline first-round pick, maybe an early second-round pick, but if someone wants to take him seventh overall, the case that I would make against him is that it feels like you are really drafting for a ceiling outcome here. You're not baking in enough risk. The batting average is a little bit lower than you'd want from a first-round hitter. He hit 254 last year. His XBA was 252. Of course, he can get better. He's still a super young player. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Bobby Witt Jr.'s batting average does get better. And the Royals lineup should improve. You know, they got some players there. They got MJ Melendez and Salvador Perez and Vinny Pasquantino, but still lots of unproven talent. So the lineup around him, the context is not great. It's a really bad ballpark too. So those are the, some, some of the things against Bobby Witt Jr. I still think he's an awesome player, but seventh overall seems a little bit too high for him. Last group here, 9 through 12, we see Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Jordan Alvarez. Welsh, you are back up. Well, I think Juan Soto, I don't mean to take the top guy, but this is the guy that I think can make a massive, massive improvement. One of the biggest outliers, a career-low BABIP at 249. No point in his career had he ever had under 300. In fact, he'd never had lower than 312 coming into this past year, which led to a career-low batting average at 242. When you go and take a look at the expected stats, he has an almost 25 batting average point jump in XBA from 242 to 266, and his slug was 452, which was the lowest of his career, but the X slug over 500. You got to consider the moves. Uh, he dealt the whole season with the Nationals with the potential of being traded. Then he was traded, a new environment. You had the Tatis drama. There's a lot of personal stuff in there that I think those adjustments weighed on him. All the projections are in favor of a big bounce back. I think the Babbitt tells us a big story. He's still got a lot of the other intangibles with an awesome Padres lineup. I'm going to buy back into uh, Juan Soto. And I think it's even easy to make a case that he could be a top five guy again this year. To be honest, I don't want to make the case against any of these players. I really like drafting in the back half of the first round so I can get one of them. But if I had to, I'll go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The only reason being we saw the power, the slugging percentage take a big step back from 2021. It's mostly due to the launch angle and hitting more ground balls. If he can lift the ball, hit more line drives, put the ball in the air, fly balls, I think good things are going to happen. 40-plus home runs for Vlad Jr., but that inconsistency and in launch angle, it's something that can hold back the power a little bit at times for him. And there's other really good first basemen, Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, going just behind him as well. I love Vlad, but I think that's probably the case against him. For more extensive fantasy baseball coverage, listen to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye! Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.